0: Welcome to Giving Connected, presented by Paisa Giving. We're happy you're able to join us today. Giving Connected was created to bring some
1: awareness to some great nonprofits around the country. Joining us today is Miriam Scali from Everybody Solar.
0: Hey, everybody. Today we're going to be interviewing the Director of Operations and Development for Everybody
1: Solar, Miriam Scali. Hi, Miriam. How are you today?
2: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
1: Doing well, doing well. It's cold in Chicago, so I have my coffee in front of me. (laughs) Um, So we're just going to dive right into the podcast. Um, So we just want to know a little bit about you. If you can tell us about yourself, you know, kind of where you grew up, what it is you went to school for, um, just a little bit, help our listeners get to know you a bit better.
2: Sure. Well, first, thank you for having me. We're really excited to have this opportunity, um, and I really look forward to our conversation today. Um, In terms of where I got started, I was actually born in Morocco and immigrated to the U.S. when I was about 10 years old, almost 11, Um, learned English, (laughs) and then uh, went on to, in terms of studies, I did my bachelor's degree at the University of California, San Diego in biology, and I ended up continuing my studies out in Australia, um, doing a master's in public health and tropical medicine at James Cook University. Um, and in terms of, you know, what I, what, what I saw myself doing in life, I don't know that I necessarily saw myself working in the nonprofit sector, um, in a particular vision or idea, but I was always interested in working with people and helping to support nature and wildlife.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's really (laughs) cool.
0: (laughs) Did not expect all that, but that's, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, so kind of going from there, um, I know you said you didn't expect yourself seeing going into like nonprofit space. Um, when was the first time you heard of seeing Everybody Solar, um, kind of seeing that space, um, kind of the work they do?
2: So Everybody Solar was actually founded by my brother back in 2011. And um, he kind of, it was like the back of an envelope idea with a friend of his as they're sitting and chatting. He's a a CPA by trade, Mm -hmm. Uh, went to UC Santa Barbara. And so he saw a gap and was also interested in helping the environment and saw that specifically there was a gap in nonprofits being supported and solar as well. And so that was sort of what got him excited. Um, And so back, you know... As he's my brother, and as siblings will talk, <laughs> um, we had conversations about Everybody Solar and the ideas behind it. I had already been working in the nonprofit sector. Um, and we initially, it was an all volunteer organization for the first six years, actually. Mm-hmm. And so, we, a lot of our family has come through in some way, shape, or form helping, but pretty early on, I got on to the Everybody Solar team. And bandwagon, I guess you could say, um, and started to help um, in what capacities I could. Having I had full time work, and then the on the sidebar, what I was um, doing for everybody solar was helping in writing grants because it was something I could do.
0: Okay, okay. And is your brother still a part of the part of the team?
2: Yep, yeah, he is our executive director, volunteer executive executive director. Um, about three and a half years ago, well, let's say. F- Four, four and a half years ago, um, we started having conversations with the board, with myself, about where we saw everybody's solar and what the real goals were for the long term. We had knocked out a few projects, had a little bit of funds in the bank, and we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do in the next five to ten years and what the real objectives were. Were we just happy with where we'd been? And wanted to use up the rest of that funding, pat ourselves on the back and say, yay, good job, well done, let's yeah. close up shop, or did we want to actually expand and do more? And at that point, we decided, yeah, let's, let's take a risk and dive in and see if we can make something more of it happen. And so at that point, I was actually hired on, um, I'm the only employee right now, um, we have a couple of consultants that have been working with us this year. But uh, the the goal was to expand and start to grow, and we have been able to do that. But I'll tell you more about that in a bit.
1: Oh, that's awesome! So, uh, your education is pretty diverse, and obviously, you said you have an interest in working with nonprofits. So, what is it about working with um, nonprofits, just in general, in that arena, that really intrigued you or kind of drew you into that particular field of work?
2: Yeah, I think that you know, coming back to the my idea originally of hoping to help people. Nonprofits sort of fill this gap in communities and provide this incredible services on a massive scale of wide array of things. Everything, you know, from offering hip-hop classes to offering shelter relief. There's just such an amazing breadth and depth of what nonprofits offer in communities around the U.S. Um, It's unfortunate that they always struggle for funding for their ongoing services um, it seems to be sort of this ever-going cycle, but one thing that I found that's sure in every nonprofit I've ever worked for is nothing is ever boring. <laughs> you always have the chance to learn something new, and for me, one of the best parts of my job has been that I really have gotten to work with diverse nonprofits, not just a single one who might be dedicated to one niche of population, um, I've really had the opportunity to work with nonprofits impacting everything from animal welfare, rebuilding homes, helping the homeless, connecting kids to the outdoors, teaching science, um, and so it's been a really great adventure.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that sounds like a sounds like a fun journey. Um, kind of seeing, kind of being able to hit a lot of different areas, right? Um, I think that's, yep. that's a really, really, really nice place. So, um, kind of focusing on. The 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 main focus and and the goal of Everybody Solar, um, what what would be you know like if, you, if somebody asked you for your mission statement? What's a quick way to kind of uh, answer that?
2: Yeah, in simple terms, the goal of Everybody Solar is to protect the environment and strengthen communities by bringing solar for free to um, at solar energy to nonprofits across the U.S.
0: Mm-hmm. And then um, and, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say no, go ahead. Uh, and. Uh, And how does that that goal change at all? Is it still the same focus that when your brother, maybe when he founded it, is that the same thing that's kind of been throughout those those years?
2: Yeah, at its foundation, it has really maintained true to its core. And we've really tried not to have too much mission creep. But as a result of what we've done, so when we started initially, you know, we sought out our first partner. And our first nonprofits. And then, as time has grown and we've um, gained movement, we've had the opportunity to have nonprofits reaching out to us, which has really been great because they are at the forefront already interested in having solar energy on their facilities and typically have board support and are able to move in that. But we, um, through a serendipitous partnership with a foundation, ended up including a little bit of a niche which is that we have been working um, with science museums for the last few years Um, and that's been a really amazing added venture for us because what it does is it allows us to include an educational component to our solar installations and so while that's not part of our official mission we get this extra plus that comes along when we're working on science museums right now as we speak we have an installation finalizing itself in chattanooga tennessee for the creative discovery museum Um, and that partnership uh, we're also going to be working on developing um, what they call view it and do it it's a distance learning module and basically they're developing these little kits that will go to households or to teachers depending if they're having to teach remotely because of covid or getting to teach in person um, and the kits will basically help kids learn about solar energy, which is a really cool way to bring them drive the message home and to do it at an early age. So we've got that little bit of a sort of sidebar niche. And the other one is that we've um, also through just chance, essentially, and nonprofits that have reached out to us, found a real need in the. And so we've done a couple of projects with uh, Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and we've got other ones that are reaching out to us.
1: Oh, well, that's pretty cool. So you guys are actually uh, able to work with um, on or with Indian reservations as well.
2: Yeah, we um, were able to do. We achieved two projects um, with a nonprofit called One Spirit a few a couple years ago, and we're actually now looking at bringing the battery backup to their the second facility that we had installed solar on. Um, the first one we already have solar battery backup because they struggle specifically. Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, for those who don't know, is one of the poorest. Um, regions of the United States they have uh, death tolls and diabetes and alcoholism at rates of Haiti to compare to Um, and so they frequently will have storms in the winter that knocks out their power for several days and the temperatures are sub-zero and their housing is you know they say I think I believe it's around 60% of housing needs to be upgraded um, and so their housing is really subpar which means that in these cold winters You know, people who've got boxes on their windows because windows are broken, um, they reach, obviously, freezing temperatures, and it's really a struggle. So having, um, we brought solar to the Allen Youth Center, which serves as an emergency shelter as well, and so having that battery backup has helped make that facility come to an additional set of circumstances to support that community.
1: Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So um, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, but where is that Indian reservation located actually here? in the US. Oh, I
2: didn't. Uh, it's in South Dakota.
1: Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like a big thing. I like, uh, I hear a lot about that, you know, um, the struggles that uh, a lot of Indian reservations face as far as, you know, uh, some of like the basic needs that all oh, the rest of us at times take for granted because it's so readily available that, you know, things that aren't as ready readily available to them and something as basic as power, um, you'd think everybody almost here, especially in the U.S., has that. But it's pretty amazing to see that you guys are able to kind of assist, um, you know, some of these um, groups that are struggling, especially like on an Indian reservation um, to bring power. Yeah, here.
2: And with that group in particular, I mean, I we honestly felt extremely thankful and grateful for being incorporated. And it's, you know, they, they have their own systems and beliefs and one of the true beliefs that they have is being a part of nature and trying to minimize their impact on the environment wow. and so having solar is actually very true to their core and who they are and so it was just this to a cyclical system for themselves to keep a closed loop so it's been really it's was it's been wonderful working with them absolutely
1: yeah that's really cool um um so as far as working with uh like I don't want to call them like minority groups, but like, you know, groups that are struggling as far as, you know, Indian reservations and other groups. Like once you guys go in and like assist a group like that, um, do you guys try and I mean, I would imagine you guys kind of stay in touch with them. And it's kind of a long, you know, a longer process, not just kind of like you're in and you're out kind of thing. Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, it really is dependent a little bit on what the project is. There's been projects that we've done. So, you know, depending where if it's situated in a community like we did, a committee on the shelterless in Petaluma, California, that's obviously a more grid tied system. They're in a community where there's more external support. um, And yes, they're working. They're a shelter, but there's a lot of community support from and, and there's more money in that region, to be frank. Um, but then with projects like this one on Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, we've had ongoing relationship. And it's been, you know, we've been at it for now several years. And like I said, they we, we did one project. They then came back and asked us, can you do a second? We said, absolutely. So the first project was with the Allen Youth Center. We then brought it to their Buffalo House, which is the first meat processing facility on the reserve, mm-hmm. um, which means that they no longer have to take um, part of their tradition is that they um, sacrifice buffalo and utilize them for food. Um, and so they're trying to increase that sovereignty and increase their ability to reconnect to the land. And so um, by supporting this project, we're also helping feed families, which is sort of this extended format and circle. And they came back to us again and said, hey, if there's ever an opportunity to go solar, uh, to have battery backup let us know and we were reached uh, a company reached out to us saying that they'd be interested in donating some batteries so we're working on developing that project right now um, to try to support them further so okay. there's definitely opportunities for further relationships wow,
0: that's really great yeah that's awesome um, so for any of these projects um, usually how is the initial approach um, I don't know if this if everybody solar does a lot of you know outreach for trying to get not profit uh, projects or usually projects kind of they look at you they find you and they kind of um, kind of contact you
2: yeah we've had a mixed bag um, we definitely have had nonprofits that we have reached out to like the creative discovery Museum because of our ongoing fo- support with foundation um, that likes to work with science museums we reached out to them and it turned out they have had a small solar system, they were really excited about the idea of going bigger um, and having this opportunity. Um, one of the things I briefly mentioned, but everybody solar tries to do the installations for free for the nonprofits. So there's really no cost for the nonprofits themselves. We do all the legwork. We do the fundraising, the grant writing, coordinating of solar installers, getting the bids, getting the materials, all the pieces and ins and outs of those projects. Um, but in other instances, we've definitely had uh, a lot of nonprofits reach out to us, or through uh, networks, like f- through you guys, essentially, where people would come at us and say, hey, we heard about you through Paiza Giving, or we are a nonprofit located XYZ, would you be able to take on a project with us? And so we start the conversations with uh, their board, typically, or their leadership, whoever their leadership is, whether that's an executive director or... Um, somebody in charge of operations in some way Um, and we assess the feasibility of the project before we sign any agreements with the two parties and part of that assessment is you know what are the conditions of your roof is your roof something that needs to be replaced in the next three to five years Um, since solar lasts approximately 25 years or 30 or more, um, we're really looking for the roof to be in good conditions because it makes no sense to put solar on their rooftop. And then in a few years, they're gonna have to take that off, pay extra money to get that taken off of their roof, causing them an additional load and then getting it back on. So we try to really avoid that scenario. Another one is whether they own or lease um, their buildings. Um, If they have ownership, it's obviously easier. If they have leases, we have worked with that, but we look for long-term leases, again, for the same purposes that we really need them. We want them to reap the benefits, essentially, of the solar installation and the savings in electricity.
0: Yeah, no, those are, those are two big important points, especially the roof. I know we've yeah. had some projects that um, I work in the commercial industry, um, solar industry, and um, long, big projects like that, they could be expensive to do, and I, I can imagine on that scale as well. Um, yeah. You kind of covered a little bit with, uh, you talked about some of the projects, but what is the, the the project locations? Is it throughout the U.S.? Do you guys usually focus on um, a specific area? Um, how does that kind of break up um, for uh, your team?
2: Yeah, when we originally started, we were just a California-based nonprofit. And so our first projects were all out of California. But then through time, we've had nonprofits reaching out to us from everywhere. We've done a project in New Mexico. We have done uh, in Oregon, we have a project right now in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, so we're kind of, it's anywhere in the U.S.
1: Okay, that's pretty cool. So um, as far as being able to work across the U.S., so what would you th- say would is one of the biggest challenges that you guys have faced um, in working across the U.S.? Like what's the kind of, if it's a roadblock you guys have hit or, you know, what's just something that you guys have seen struggle with?
2: Um, So just specifically to in terms of working with different places across the U.S., I would say one of the challenges that we've had is each state has their own regulations and sometimes it breaks down even by city. And so we really look to work with local installers, um, but even identifying strong solar installer partners can sometimes be a challenge. And because of our model, we sometimes face a struggle because we are initially um, coming at those solar installers, asking them for bids and proposals for a project that may not take place for another 12 to 18 months um, down the line. And so you know, for, for, for solar installers that don't know us, it's sometimes challenging and hard for them to say, oh, this is gonna be a real project. Yes, I should invest time in providing you with an actual proposal. Yeah. When I'm not going to see anything fruitful for this until next year or 18 months down the road. Yeah, um, so that's definitely been one of the challenges.
1: Yeah, I work in construction, so and I do a lot of bidding um with contractors, so I kind of see that a lot like contractors tend to shy away from bidding on jobs if they don't see it like kind of taking place within a certain time period of when they bid the job. So that can Absolutely. I definitely understand. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: Yep. Okay. There's no immediate response and immediate um, payback, I guess, for their work.
1: Yeah. So th- that being said, like, cause you guys are across the U S if you guys do, let's just say you guys are in Illinois and you're doing, let's just say 10 projects in Illinois. Do you guys have like preferred contractors that you work with? Or is it just kind of, you guys bid it out to a, a bunch of different contractors and then you're just see, you know, go look at the numbers yeah. and decide.
2: So to be honest, the only place I can give you that example for would be California, and um, because we did multiple projects in California. And there we did work with the same solar installer in the Bay Area multiple times, um, just because we had developed a relationship, and they did a phenomenal job. And they their model also worked with volunteers to learn about installations, so we really liked that model's um, approach to it. Um so definitely we, we when it's possible we love to work with the same installer more than once. Um, and actually sorry, I can give you on South Dakota at Pine Ridge Union Reservation. we also worked with the same installer um, at in in a sense three times and right now as we work on the battery for um, system backup, we're going to be working with the same installer again
0: so so for those installations uh, just for people who are listening um, what truly goes into it um, of course, there's the solar modules that you have but What other pieces are donated or um, help fund for that really go to accomplish um, pretty much the whole project?
2: So the big things, like you mentioned, are the solar modules, which is basically those flat panels that people see on people's roofs. (laughs) But those panels have to be mounted to racks. And so racking is a big component. There's also something called an inverter, which is what adapts the electricity that works through the actual solar panels to the type of electricity we use in our homes or buildings, as it were. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also something called optimizers, which is sort of the electrical conduit stuff that connects everything together. Um, That's sort of the material aspect of things. And then in terms of physical, the other probably the biggest cost is actually the labor costs of installation.
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I mean... My, my parents' house. They actually installed solar panels. I remember the process to even just get to an installation point was. I think it took a year and a half between all the approvals and then sourcing material and all this kind of stuff just to get to a point where they could actually get an engineer to do like the structural calculations to determine if it was actually a feasible and project. I can't so. imagine on
0: a project larger than that. Yeah. Right? it's like
1: probably even harder. So right. Yeah, I'm sure. It, there's yeah, and there's a lot.
2: definitely. <laughs> You're definitely right, Prince. There's definitely uh, permitting involved as well. Um, typically, yeah. the solar installers take care of that for us as a part of the project. But yeah, there's there's permitting, and then electricians have to come into it. So there's there's a lot of cogs in this wheel making yeah. it happen.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure there's like we talked earlier about roadblocks and uh, you know think obstacles that you guys can you know challenges that you guys face. And you had mentioned you know each municipality tends to have their own set of codes and um, guidelines that you have to abide by. So I know like being on the other end of it, like you guys being the installer and like the coordinator end of it and like being the consumer end of that, I guess. um, I remember just that process specifically that I was involved with just took forever. I mean, especially considering, you know, 20 to 25 years ago, solar panels and installing, you know, solar panels for solar energy, especially in a residential um, area was not something people were thinking of. So a lot of codes and a lot of municipalities don't have those Regulations and guidelines built into their codes that are existing, so then that kind of can definitely yeah help make that process go a little bit longer than you'd like i 'm sure, sure
0: some cities and some townships and they're also for bigger scale are working on the same issues right um, yeah kind of process for everybody but kind of along the lines of roadblocks I know we I think we mentioned this a little bit. Um, how has this year really impacted you covid nineteen and and all that's come with that um, what's been some I know I'm sure funding has been harder to do, but what's been some really um, hard uh, challenges with that that have come with it?
2: Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, um, so everybody solar is dependent on foundations, donors, sponsors, and partners really for our operations. Um, and one of the things is this year, I don't think anybody can say that this year has not been interesting. <laughs> um, COVID-19 has thrown quite a loop into our operations. Um, when it started, we had conversations and really anticipated, as you mentioned, that funding would be a challenge, but it's primarily a challenge because they have the f- same foundations have either put a pause on their operations or paused their programming for specific progr- projects it really shifted towards uh, COVID relief funds, something like hunger relief, for example, or, you know, buying PPE for people who need it um, in the front lines, which is obviously very valid and important um, for the purposes of what needs to happen. But it has shifted money away from operations. Uh, One of the other impacts, and it's, you know, this is one of the very big ones is our own nonprofit partners have really been impacted very, very sharply. Um, some have had to step away temporarily. Um, so projects that we were just getting off the ground, because, you know, we take months before we launch a project. Um, and so some of those stepped back and said, oh, with this, our operations are so bombarded, we have to step back and, you know, we'll talk to you again in a year after COVID goes by, but we really can't take on another project or anything into our plate. Um, yeah. Others have really had to temporarily or permanently fire a lot of employees and downsize significantly in terms of hours and staffing, making both communications with us more challenging and their own operations more challenging, obviously. Um, and that's, you know, we've, we've seen that across the board for our, our nonprofit partners. Um, and then the last one is that with the rolling lockdown orders, which I believe you guys are about to hit once more, um, yep. at least California is getting into those right now, is that even our installers are impacted where, you know, they, if today they could go do an installation and have masks on, tomorrow they're being told they have to have stay-home orders and that it's not essential services. Or if it's considered essential services, then they have to do XYZ to make it meet the uh, sanitation requirements. So it's been a challenging year in a multitude of uh, aspects.
0: So have you had any projects significantly delayed because of... Um, installation being not allowed. Um, I think probably mid, mid of this year, mid, like maybe June, July. I'm sure there was a lot of um, delays in that. But have you seen like a, throughout the year um, a, a lot of that happening?
2: So right now we're we're working on a couple of installations and we're actually working on getting them out before the end of 2020. Okay. Um, and part of that, yes, there's been basically the ricochet effect that has brought us down to December 5th um, leading to like these, you know, trying to get everything done at the last um, side of things. And one of the reasons is one of our projects um, that we really are aiming to get live right now is out in Kentucky, Buckhorn, Kentucky. Um, with the Buckhorn Children and Family Services and that specific project, we're looking to at least get a first phase installed um, right now. And so we pared down the project by half because of the funding we have available. Um, specifically, we have the panels on site to do a 21 kilowatt system, but right now we don't have the funding to put that up and make that run. So Kentucky is looking at changing their uh, state regulations starting in January of 2021 and they're looking at doing away with net metering, um, which essentially is a way that you can sell back when you when you generate more power during the hours of the day where it's really sunny than what you use. You sell back to the grid, and then at night you can purchase it back when you need to flip on your light switch mm-hmm. at a cheaper price. So they're looking to eliminate net metering, and they're looking at increasing the electricity cost by 25% um, starting next year. So because of that, we're sort of doing, doing this rush order of installation at Buckhorn in Kentucky to try to make sure that we at least get grandfathered into as much net metering as we can for them and get them the maximum impact on dollar savings with that solar solar being up and running. And then the idea is that hopefully next year as we can continue to get funding for it, we can then increase the system. And we've got folks on the ground that are doing some lobbying to try to make sure that since we would have had the system in place in 2020, to get the rest of the system net metered onto that same grid so we're we're sort of presenting the project as the larger project that is intended
1: yeah so speaking about um projects specifically i'm actually <laughs> i'm on your website right now looking at the completed projects you guys have done in yeah, you guys have worked with like a wide variety of different uh, organizations, which is like pretty amazing. So are any uh, of any of these projects that you guys have completed or any that you're working on there that are in the works? Like, are there any that you're specifically very excited about that are upcoming or ones that you're really proud of that have been completed?
2: Yeah. Um, one of the ones that is near and dear to my heart is wildlife associates out in half moon Bay, California. Um, that's a wildlife sanctuary, and so you know when you when I think about the work that we do and the multiple ways that we have impact. Um, as we've mentioned, we have an impact on the environment because we're reducing the use of fossil fuels. We have an impact on the nonprofits because we're helping them to be more sustainable in the long term and reducing their electricity costs. But Wildlife Associates, specifically, um, because it's a wildlife sanctuary, saving animals that have been injured in the wild. Um, is particularly interesting to me, but they also reach out to schools and they do this massive educational program where they reach hundreds of thousands of kids a year talking about wildlife and why it's important to preserve it and protect it. And they even have an at-risk program where they're able to work with youth um, that really need support and that themselves have gone through some traumas. And so by seeing the animals that have lived through traumas, whether you know, it's, a, it's an opossum who lost its mother um, by a car hitting it, or if it's um, some wild animal that somebody adopted from Costa Rica, where I am at, um, can, uh, needs you know, additional care. So that's one of the ones that we have finished that I'm particularly excited and proud about. And in terms of the ones that are upcoming that we're working on now, um, I mentioned Buckhorn in Kentucky. That one is pretty neat as well because we're going to be having, um, with the installation, some former coal miners involved in the installation, which is pretty unique. And because Kentucky is in the heart of coal country, um, it's really an opportunity to present the value of solar to that region um, and hopefully gain some momentum in an area that isn't adopting solar very fast. And then we're, you know, really excited. Um, YMCA's Camp Corey is a project that we've been working on. um, And they've really been hard hit this year because of the closures, obviously, with kids not being able to do night camps and things of the sort. But next year, they're hitting their 100th anniversary and celebrating that. So we're really hoping to get everything up and running by that summer camp, so that we can do a phenomenal event with ribbon cutting for them with um, their 100th anniversary celebration coinciding with also including a more sustainable vision for their next hundred years yeah
0: yeah no that's awesome um hopefully um next 10 20 years right people can see how much how, the use of solar right and i think it could be uh, a really good partnership for a lot of nonprofits, a lot of the good spaces so i saw on this past tuesday uh, giving tuesday uh, everybody solar raised over seven thousand um, dollars which is pretty awesome um so uh, the, kind of to the projects we talked about, um, the the great work that Everybody Solar has been doing. Um, what are some really good ways that um, people who are listening, eventually listen, maybe this week, maybe in a year, um, how, are, how can they connect with Everybody Solar and really um, help fund some of these great projects?
2: Thanks for asking that. Um, so first, you know, I've mentioned a couple of projects, but I really encourage people to go on our website and to check out all of our current projects and look for what really rings home to you. Um, Whether, you know, maybe you're an outdoor hiker and you love the idea of supporting Glacier National Park or you really, you were a veteran and you want to help support veterans. We've got a project in Jacksonville, Florida that's working with that. So I encourage people to check us out. We're at www.everybodysolar.org. Other ways to connect is we're on all the main social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, we've got it. Um, and then people are welcome to email me directly. Um, I'll spell out my name after I've said my email address. Um, but it's Miriam at EverybodySolar.org. And that's M-Y-R-I-A-M at EverybodySolar.org. And you know, we really aim to make sure that our donations are used in the way that people want to. If they direct them to just to Everybody Solar, we, obviously that helps support us specifically. And then we filter the money to what's most needed. Um, 80 percent of all of our funding goes directly to projects um, and then operations is the rest of it to help build our capacity and we're really aiming to grow in the next you know five to ten years i mentioned i'm the only employee right now i'm not actually full-time but uh, we this year were able to through some additional funding hire grant consultants that worked with us for a few months and there's definitely opportunities for volunteering professional volunteers i've been very blessed with the support that I've received the last couple of years through professional volunteers um, so there's multiple ways in which people can connect
0: yeah I know and when I uh, I had uh, saw, seen the Instagram page and it's really good information that they consistently keep you updated about what's going on what projects um, are really going well so yeah I, I would really suggest everyone just go ahead and follow all those pages'll we'll, we'll add the descriptions in in the bio as well. Um, so people can quickly look at it. But um, I think personally, um, I, I met Miriam this year, kind of virtually um, helped her um, with my full-time job and kind of met her there. But it's really when I'm looking into Everybody Solar, it's, it's, a, it's a great charity.
1: Yeah, and so um, just so our listeners know, everybody Solar is partnered with Pisa Giving. So you are able to find everybody solar on the Paisa Giving app, and you can see some of the great special causes and uh, that they're working on right now and be able to just donate to their um, overall mission and just support what they're trying to do across the country and the globe and just kind of help um, them kind of achieve the goals that they have. Um, and you can find that right on the Paisa Giving app, uh, both on the... Uh, mobile platform as well as on your desktop computer through our Paisa Giving website.
0: Yep. Mary, we want to thank you again uh, for just taking a couple of minutes out of your day. Um, we really appreciate it as we're growing. Hopefully, um, hopefully we can bring some awareness. Hopefully, some people uh, follow your page after
1: this. Um, but we again thank you for the time.
2: Thank yeah. you very much for having me again. We really appreciate the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And um, we are going to have links to all of the Everybody Solar. Uh, websites as well as Miriam's contact information in the description of this podcast and obviously you can find that again on the Pies Giving website and app um, in case you guys want to get in touch with her um, and just kind of check in and see what they're doing or even just support their mission. Hey
0: everybody, just want to thank you for taking some time out of your day uh, to join and listen to us. Uh, it was our privilege just to connect with Miriam um, from Everybody Solar. Um, as you've heard, uh, they do some great, amazing projects Uh, So if you want to hear more about this organization, uh, you can follow up on any of the social media uh, at Everybody Solar. And also just see um, the past and current projects on www.everybodysolar.org. Also, we'll attach uh, Miriam's contact in the bio below.
1: We're excited for our conversation next week with another great nonprofit, One Spirit. You can find that podcast available next Monday. This has been Prince and Joel with Giving Connected.